Welcome to the FitPro Podcast, a brand new initiative from FitPro for forward-thinking professionals who want the latest information while on the move. We hope you enjoy this week's pod, and for further information about today's podcast, head over to our social media pages and start the conversation. And to offer feedback and suggestions for future podcasts, get in touch with us at publish at fitpro.com. Hello and welcome to this week's FitPro podcast. Now, Movember is a very important annual event involving the growing of moustaches to raise awareness about men's health, conditions such as prostate cancer, testicular cancer and suicide. In the latest issue of FitPro magazine, we have collaborated with Prostate Cancer UK to inform trainers how they should be working with their clients who are receiving treatment. Today, we are joined by well-being manager at Mind in Haringey, Owen Johnson-Stewart, who will discuss men's mental health and how you should be supporting your clients as well as looking after your own mental health. Mental health problems can affect anyone, but discrimination and stigma can make individuals apprehensive about opening up and sharing their experiences. Owen, it's fantastic to have you with us today at FitPro. It would be great if you could tell our listeners a bit about your background. All right. Uh, Thank you for having me here today. So my background is in uh, psychology. I did my uh, undergraduate in it and I did my MSc in it. But at the moment, I am the well-being manager at mine, like you mentioned. In that role, mostly what I do is I work with people on a one-to-one basis. I provide support for people who are looking to take control of their mental health as it relates to their well-being. So a lot of time people come to me often not knowing where to start to uh, make improvements in their life. You know, this confusion can often affect them in ways that creates anxiety or depression. So I'll sit down and I'll do some guided self-help and some support to help them on a one-to-one basis. And uh, I've been doing that for three years now. So yeah, something I really enjoy and Mind is a fantastic organization. Um, Mind in Harringay has a lot of uh, services which they offer to people in the community and it's a privilege to work for them. Fantastic. And why do you think men have difficulty opening up about their mental health? Uh, Well... I can't, you know, pretend to speak for all men, but in terms of the ones I've engaged in on the service, I think there's definite trends in terms of expectation. There's uh, a lot of the people I've worked with often feel that there's expectation to be, if they're, say, the dad in a family role, to be uh, stoic and not being able to express concerns they may have or feelings that could be perceived negatively by those in the family Mm -hmm. unit. In terms of young men who may not be in those situations, there's that expectation to be strong and uh, that expectation can sometimes, uh, you know, encourage, you know, good outcomes in the sense that, you know, you might push yourself a little bit harder to achieve your goals. But to the extreme case, it can encourage people not to talk when they actually may actually need the support or may not even acknowledge that they're in a situation where support is necessary. So in that case, I feel like in terms of men able to be more open or those around said men uh, making it feel like they can speak without being judged or feel like it won't uh, affect their perception in a group negatively definitely go a long way to changing that Mm, absolutely do you think that that's something which transcends like age and generations do you think that it is still a problem in younger men as it is in older men I think growing up, depending on the family system, because that dictates a lot of what people do when they're older, but if uh, a young man sees his dad as the um, stoic model of the family unit who's you know, made, made sure never to express negative emotion or as it relates to himself, and um, that's what they see as a model to aspire to, then yeah, I think it can 
be transferred across generations from young to old. And like I, I really want to emphasize, it's not necessarily a bad thing to, you know, be determined or, mm, yeah, you know, want to strive for good things for yourself. But in the extreme cases where you now feel trapped in that cycle, that's when you can develop poor coping strategies or poor mental health. Mm, absolutely. And how are you sort of trying to you know, change that through your work now at Mind? So at Mind, a lot of what I do is I'll sit down with someone. I'll speak to them and I'll say, okay, so what is it that you feel isn't working in your life? So I try and put the power, I try and empower the individual to take control. Some people respond really well to that because uh, sometimes someone is just needing that little bit of um, reassurance that they can open up, say, actually works really tough right now. Or, you know, I'm in this family unit and there's a lot of expectations that I, you know, provide where I, you know, I feel that's a lot of pressure to be under. And by giving them that kind of unconditional non-judgmental zone mm. to express that allows them to then say okay well now that you've expressed yourself what do you feel you'd like to see happen to make things better so in my role that's um, something i'm trying to do provide that kind of safe space for men and women to come and talk to me about what they're going through and then hopefully identify targets which can help change the maybe the negative situation they found themselves in mm. and, and you mentioned about that safe mm. space how do you mm. think fitness instructors can you know, do a better job, you know, making them more approachable to talk about their mental health? The biggest thing in terms of feedback I get is being able to sense the empathy in the person you're talking to. Usually if someone comes across quite genuinely, someone you're talking to doesn't just uh, do the usual, hey, you okay? And then, you know, expect a one-word response and move on, but actually says, how are you doing? And waits for a response and really tries to put themselves out there people will tend to open up a lot more. So in terms of uh, my role or any role even where you're providing a service to someone, really trying to show empathy and say, I'm here to listen. I'm here, you know, actually interested in what you have to say can make a difference. Do you think that that could be something which is improved with mental health first aid training? There's a lot in the news about it at the moment and, and groups calling on the government to in, make it mandatory for workplaces to have first aid mental health first aid do you think that that is something that fitness trainers could benefit from as well just in a helping them get their point across and make sure that they can show those things that you've just discussed absolutely 110 percent um, when it comes to mental health first aid one of the core things that they cover is the idea of language and also recognizing signs so by providing that kind of education to people, allowing them to be mindful of how they come across or be aware of what they may what be, may be happening in their environment can make a world of difference in any role. I think mental health first aid is uh, something which I personally would like to see be rolled out across the board in every environment just because it will continue to have a, you know, a positive impact when someone can be made mindful of the language they use to encourage others and also if someone is maybe seeking help but unable to very verbalize it it can help that as well great and and are you able to give us some examples of what's mm. on on that course i know mind in harangay have got their own unique course yeah mind in harangay has a great course the one i took part in some examples like i said before just you know open questions when you're trying to find out how someone's doing um, really listening to say signs that someone may be giving you in a conversation that's one of the things they cover in the course so if someone is maybe consistently saying that they're spending their weekends alone you know there's a there's a line between introversion and maybe picking up on okay this person may be seeking you know maybe seeking some help and i need to actually be willing to listen for it 
Other aspects of the course which I found very helpful was also how to maybe approach someone who you feel may be at risk of suicide. There's a large portion of the course which talks about approaching people in a um, helpful and open way so that they feel they can talk to you about if they feel like uh, options are becoming limited and suicide is something mm. that they think is uh, slowly becoming more of a focus in their mind. Mm. And on Haringey, obviously, where you are, that's one of you know has got one of the highest suicide rates amongst young men as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, it does, unfortunately. But it's something that... Uh, Haringey is actually trying to do a lot about in terms of putting in programs in place. At Mind, we have a Haring suicide prevention groups, mm -hmm. and we have survivors of bereavement of suicide, SOBS, which is uh, part of the prevention group. And if anyone is looking for information about how to approach uh, someone who they feel may be at risk of suicide or information about themselves to help them get through a very difficult time as it relates to suicide, we have a lot of information on our website. So Mind and Haringey and... Uh, Haringey suicide prevention groups. Mm. Yeah, that's really useful resources there for trainers. And I think as well, it's, you know, it's so easy to forget for personal trainers to forget about their own mental health. Obviously, we're talking about their clients, but they must be, you know, addressing their own health. Mm. Is there any advice or information you can provide to trainers on how maybe they can, you know, ensure they are, you know, ready to take the session? Definitely. I, it's funny because my background is in my MSc, my master's was about burnout. And I feel, as it comes to professionals, burnout in the sense of becoming exhausted emotionally and physically from high-pressure jobs is a big factor that affects mental health, especially in today's day and age where mm. expectations are being pushed on people younger and younger to be successful and independent. So as a professional, I would say taking care of your well-being, making sure you take time for yourself, which is separate from your work, which you feel can recharge your batteries, give you a kind of a fresh outlook. So making use of your annual leave. Also being able to have people around you, hopefully, that you can talk to and express yourself openly. Being able to say, you know, that was a stressful day at work. It's really nice to have you here to tell that to. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think that whole you know the whole area around community mm -hmm. and, and joining community like community groups within the fitness industry is really important and not especially for freelance fitness instructors who are on, on their own i think that's really essential just through the nature of being a personal instructor you have that responsibility to have you're trying to influence someone aren't you you're in a position of power and with that a lot of people perhaps think, well, I don't want to show that vulnerability or I don't want to show a side of myself which experiences anxiety or sadness and that sort of thing. So it's exactly like you said, it's so important to open up and to tell people what you're feeling because that way you can you can get through those things and you don't have to play this caricature of the big strong leader who's only out for helping other people but also has your own vulnerabilities yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And Personally, I would say it's a sign of strength to be able to speak openly about what you're going through and not to, you know, make people feel bad if they feel like they haven't got their environment to express themselves. But being able to lead by example, especially as a personal trainer, if you're working with someone who you feel may be going through a tough time, being able to voice um, maybe a similar experience you may have had or being able to voice that, you know, that's something that I would have struggled with in your situation is a great way to create that empathy that I spoke about before and allow someone maybe to see that it is okay and still able to be successful. And um, Yeah, exactly. I think, I think yeah. when, when they hear it from them directly, mm. it's, it's giving them that sort of acknowledgement, isn't it, to, yeah. to open up. Yeah. And uh, I suppose the more high pressure the job, the more there is that demand to kind of hide what you feel could influence your, I don't know, career progression in some roles as well. So 
by having that mental health first aid training in the workplace, people will hopefully be more aware that it is okay to express yourself and it can actually be beneficial overall to the workforce. Mm, absolutely. And I will be actually obviously be taking the uh, training this week, which will be a fantastic opportunity. How about we talk a little bit about how the government's responded to some of the uh, work that you've been doing at Mind in Haringey? Mm. Well, to speak about the government's response to our work, I think they've been doing their bit in terms of trying to make awareness about mental health and about suicide. But I do want to emphasize Mind in Haringey, we are quite independent in a lot of the work we do. We try and respond to the needs as it presents itself in our community. And although there is awareness raised by organizations, we are trying to be the first responders. So if we see a need, we'll try and create a service Mm. that responds to that need, as opposed to waiting on the government to come and um, provide that support because truth be told we may be waiting a while in some instances mm. and you're and you're not actually you're not funded by national mind no. which i think is a really important point to actually raise on this podcast mm. something that a lot of people won't be aware of so maybe you could just explain how mind actually sort of filters down across the country yeah of course so there is mind international which the ones you probably hear about when you see advertised on tv raising awareness creating a great brand in terms of doing what they can to help the individual minds on a smaller scale um, function effectively but then going down trickling down from that you have different minds locally so we're mind in Haringey, you have, say, a mind in Croydon, you have a mind in Camden, and each one of those minds uh, tries to respond to the needs of the areas that they're in and provide services based on those needs. And there's no additional funding for the services offered by Mind International. Each mind is either funded independently or by the, um, the area or borough that they fall under to give them a bit extra support. But there is um, a lot of independence in how minds are run and... If you are looking for support, it is probably worth looking to see if there's a mind local to you. Mm. That way you're able to maybe see, okay, this is something that I can uh, benefit from immediately, as opposed to maybe feel a bit lost at times, not know where to seek help. Mm. And, and if a personal trainer is listening and they want to do something and they want to maybe fundraise and, and run an event, is yeah. there any advice that you can offer them and how they'd go about that? I would say if you're looking to fundraise for mental health or mind specifically, I would say find out what your local mind is and maybe ask how you can fundraise for them because that way you'll maybe be able to see a more direct impact of the efforts you put into fundraising. Mm. Not to say Mind International wouldn't also benefit from extra funds, but in terms of being able to see the direct effect of your fundraising, I would say always try and support your local mind. If some uh, personal trainer or someone you know that you know is having a psychotic episode, yeah. what are the routes for emergency? Who who do they contact? Who what is the support network there? So if you feel that you're engaging with someone or you someone you care about is going through a particularly tough time and they are having a mental health crisis, then I would recommend always contacting the emergency services. If the if the person you are speaking to doesn't want the emergency services contacted. I would suggest you then contact that person's GP because that person's GP may have a a crisis plan based on that person's medical history. Now, if that person is also doesn't have a GP and they also don't want the emergency service contacted, there are crisis teams which people can get in touch with. The Haringey crisis team is a particularly good one. And if you want, you can uh, find the number for that. And is that that sort of during the night time or is that restricted? That is 24-7. It's 24-7? Yes. So there's a high grade crisis line, there is the emergency services and someone's personal GP would be the three people I would get in touch with at first of call, first port of call. That's fantastic, Owen. Brilliant to join us today on the FitPro podcast. 
and uh, we look forward to catching up with you very soon. Right. Thank you again for having me. Cheers. For more information about FitPro education and for details on FitPro membership and insurance, you can visit us at fitpro.com. We hope you enjoy the today's podcast and see you next time. Thank you.